last week, we talked um, just very plainly about grow up. (laughs) Sometimes we just need to grow up. And we started our growth sermon series in that vein. And we learned why growth inevitably is hard and what we actually need to do in order in our own lives to pursue that growth. And if you learned nothing else from that sermon last week, then I hope that you learned that growing takes work. Growth takes effort. It takes strategy. It takes working out our salvation in all the means of grace that God has provided for us. And growth is hard, but growth is necessary. Today, however, we want to peek a little bit more in and look at those things that cause us to grow and how that growth can actually feel at times. Listen, none of us needs to live in this idealized world and think that growing is always this beautiful thing. We always believe and hope that the result of growth is beautiful, but sometimes growth itself is it's messy, it's dirty, it's hard, it agitates us, it's uncomfortable. And so we need to understand how the Lord is lovingly working through all of the messiness that happens in our lives and ultimately to grow us spiritually and to know him more. To do that, we will be in 2 Corinthians and we're going to look at an experience that Paul had And what he said that ultimately produced in his life growth as well. And so as we begin, you know, as I said last week, you know, in order for us to grow, I think growth has to happen by us being present, by us being aware, being alert, not being distracted, not looking away, not thinking away, but focusing in on what the Lord is speaking to us through his word. And so we're going to start here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 8. And this is Paul writing, and he's writing about his own experience. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You must also help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Let's pray. Lord God, we know how good you are. We know that you are a healer or deliverer, and God of that, we are all not only witnesses, but we are all living testimonies of that. But Lord, we also need to be reminded that in the middle of all the things that we grow, that we go through, that we are growing through these as well, God. God, some of us may feel discontented in our lives. Some of us may feel frustrated where we are at this stage of life. Some of us may have thought we were further. Some of us may have thought we were this or that, have a different status. But God, ultimately... You're using everything that happens in our life to grow us, to conform us in our image, in your image and make us more like you. So, Lord, as we realize today, growth comes with growing pains. Help us see what that may look like in our own life and be encouraged to grow anyways. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So the title of the sermon is Growing Pains. And 
I'm realizing generations are coming and going, but a lot of us remember that Growing Pains was a TV show back in the day. Um, but if you have read any of the works of Paul, you know, one of the things that he talks about often in his own life is that he suffered. Now, he's not just talking about suffering because he desired to suffer, but it was just the way that he was living out his life that caused suffering to happen. And so sometimes when we read what Paul is writing, he is very specific about the source of the suffering. But then there are other times like this particular occasion where he's not mentioning what the cause of the suffering is. And I think he's doing this one because the people probably did know what he had endured, but he also didn't want the focus to be on him and the cause of the suffering. Rather, he wanted the focus here to be on the effect and the result that the suffering was having on his life. And so he's giving us a bird's eye view, a broader scope of what suffering is. And he says, in other words, we want you to know how we felt in Asia. Some of the things that amaze me when looking at the lives of many of the biblical characters is that they are shamelessly open about themselves. And I mean, they're open in a way that we don't often find in modern America churches where most of us are living in this facade. Of, everything is fine. Everything is good. I'm doing well. But then we have a person like Paul who is openly confessing and bearing his weaknesses before all these people who will read this letter. Now, that's one of those secret components to growth that I don't think we talk about enough. Because he mentions, listen, I need help and I need help through your prayers. But if I don't tell you that I even need help in the first place, then you don't even know that I need prayer and I can't be strengthened and encouraged by those prayers. And so there must be this vulnerability, this openness, this willingness to trust the other members of the body of Christ to know I'm not doing as well as it may appear that I'm doing. And what's even more remarkable is Paul is an apostle. <laughs> if anybody would have the strength to bear everything that he was enduring, certainly we would think that it would be Paul. But I want you to notice the phrase that he uses here and so that you think if this is not too big for Paul, then it's certainly not too big for you. Paul says that in Asia, we were so burdened. That's the first thing. Stressed, inflicted, afflicted. Worried, alarmed, concerned, anxious. But then he says, beyond our strength. I want you to think about this. He said all that we were enduring in Asia, it was actually beyond what we were able to handle. The reason... I really want to point that out to you and make that point is because a lot of us have erroneously been subscribing to this idea. God doesn't put more on us than we can bear. And a lot of us firmly believe that a lot of us will subscribe to that. The problem is, is that that very text is actually a misreading of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where Paul is actually referring to temptation. 
He's not referring to suffering. Because if he were referring to suffering, then what he just said conflicts what he said in 1 Corinthians. You can't tell the same people, God won't put more on you than you can bear. I'm bearing beyond my strength. So he says, in reference to temptation, God will not tempt you more than you are able to bear. That's that axiomatic truth. But in terms of suffering, nowhere in Scripture do you find anything that says that God won't put more suffering on you than you can bear. Why is that important to know? Because I think if we believe that all the things that God is causing to happen in our lives, the things that are meant to cause growth in our lives, the things that we are supposed to give to him, if we think, but God's not putting more on me than I can bear. Then that means we are unnecessarily attempting to bear things that God never intended for us to bear. Which is why Paul gives us instructions, bear one another's burdens, because you are absolutely every single one of us in this room at certain points of our lives bearing burdens that we do not have the strength to bear. And the greater sign of weakness is not saying I can't bear this, it's believing you can when we all know you can't. And so he's saying that if you believe that you can bear this, then you are probably wildly missing an intended mark. Paul says that this trial was beyond his ability to bear it. And it was impossible for him to do so so much that he no longer wanted to even live. How do we know that? He says, we despaired of life itself. Now, anybody who's reading this text today with the modern eye would say Paul was what we would call suicidal. How is it that Paul, the apostle, the bastion of strength, could be driven to such a point that he says that I despaired of life? Well, it's twofold. It's twofold for him, and it's often twofold for us as well. On the one hand, he is dealing with a real problem, and even though we don't know what that problem is, we can assume it's some sort of deep persecution that was beyond his strength. One of the things that I've learned as I've gotten older is some of the things that may not feel like pressure to you might be pressure for somebody else. Things that, you know, that, that don't seem that bad, but it might be that bad for somebody else. It might be insurmountable for them. Regardless of it, though, all of us in this room, though different in various ways, have all endured something or are enduring something that has felt like it is going to break us. And if you feel that, have felt that, going to feel that, my encouragement for you, one, is that you're not alone. 
Every single one of us in that room, in this room has felt that. But two, God is actually using that thing to grow you. I want you to look at 1 Kings 19 and 4 so that we see that it isn't just Paul who is enduring this sort of pressure and burden, but it's other people, other leaders in the Bible. 1 Kings 19 and 4, referring to Elijah, says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of the food, that food, 40 days and 40 nights to hoard the mount of God. Now, it's one thing for us to struggle understanding that Paul despaired of life. But here we have the prophet Elijah who actually asked God, just in my life, just just in my life. I've, I've endured long enough. I'm no better than my father's. I'm no better than what they did. I'm no better than what they endured. Just end it. I've had enough. Do you think that he was enduring something that he could bear? Of course not. If we are walking around repeating to ourselves this false narrative, God isn't putting more on me than I can bear. God isn't putting more on me than I can bear. Then we are convincing ourselves that we can endure something that we cannot endure. And instead of giving it to Jesus, we are trying to grit our teeth and just get through it. Therefore, missing the joy of Christ actually lifting that burden from us. But it's not just that. It's that you miss the lesson that God intends for you to learn. How do you know that God intends for you to learn something through your suffering? Well, it's about having a right view of God. Throughout the Bible, the theme has been that the Lord not only delivers his people, but he also teaches them to depend on him. We learn this in Genesis 22 and 12 with Abraham. He goes up to the mount fully prepared to offer his son as a sacrificial offering before God because that's what God had asked him to do. And he gets up there to do it. And this is what the angel says to him. He says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now, the truth is that it wasn't really God who learned that Abraham trusted him, but it was Abraham learning that he could trust God. Now, how did he have to learn that lesson? Well, if you remember in the life of Abraham, he went through several circumstances, several growing pains by which he did not trust God. And so he had seen in the past how badly things had gone by not trusting God. Then when he gets to this point and God is asking him to do something that nobody in their right mind will do. He's like, you know what? 
God, it, it don't make any sense to me, but I've learned that when I try to make sense of it on my own, I only dig the hole deeper and deeper. So instead of me trusting myself, I'm just going to trust you. That's the lesson. And all those things that he had gone through, lying about his wife's wife, having a baby with Hagar, that was the pain that his sins caused. But God, in his graciousness to us, doesn't just destroy us in our sins, but he's working even our sins as a means of growth in our lives. And so he comes to this point where he completely trusts God. And the pains that he endured was the stress of growth. Now, this is the proverbial question that you may be thinking to yourself. But why does growth have to be painful? Well, it's the same reason that we learned last week. The reason that growth is unnatural. It is because of how our sin and sin in the world has disordered the world in our lives. Last week, we looked at how growth and the curse of the ground relate to humanity. Well, remember how discomforting and ultimately painful childbirth became for the woman. For the man, we see the ground is cursed and it's difficult for the ground to grow. But for the woman, bearing a child, growing that child, what used to be natural and beautiful is painful and uncomfortable. The culmination of what would have easily happened now shows itself to us as we grow, as painful growth. What does that pain now cause us to do, though? That pain does not cause us to rely and depend on ourselves, but that pain causes us to cry out to our Father. All throughout the Bible, there is the theme of God's people crying out to him, and he answered their cry. Y'all, that's really important. It's really important because I'm at a point in my life where I realize you can have all the theology in the world. You can know as much about the Bible. You can read all the books. But if you don't know the depth of your relationship hinges on your willingness to stay in constant communication with your father, doesn't matter how smart you are. If you can't, in desperation, go to your father and pray to him and trust and believe that he will answer your prayer, it doesn't matter how often you attend church. You must know that you can trust God. I have a few scriptures here of people crying out to the Lord with various afflictions and how he answered them. First one is Psalms 18 and 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Lamentations 3 and 55. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. Genesis 25 and 21, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. First Samuel 1.10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Psalm 34 and 6, 
The, this poor man cried. This one of the old church ones. I, I could quote this King James. This poor man cried and the Lord, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Psalm 61 and 1. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. And then Joel 2 and 32, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. There are myriad examples for us in the Bible that shows that if a people cries out to their God, He'll answer. You know, there's this scene in the movie Ray when he starts to really go blind and he trips over a chair and he kind of falls to the ground and he calls out for his mother. And as he calls out for his mother, he starts to cry and he's crying for her. And y'all know the scene. She's sitting at the sink and she doesn't want to answer because she wants him to learn that he has to depend on himself. He has to grow in his independence. He has to learn to fend for himself. And while for many of us, we see this and think this is inspirational. I think there are probably of us who also think that this is the way our relationship with God works. That God is putting us through all these things and he's encouraging us and teaching us how to lean on ourselves and depend on ourselves. But with our relationship with God is actually the complete opposite. The more he places trials and burdens on our backs, which challenge our strength, the more we think that we should depend on ourselves. But it's the opposite. God does not want any of us in any circumstances to try to do for ourselves what he will do for us. That's a mistake that we often make. Now, why is he doing that? Because he knows that it will ruin us. I probably told this story before, but I like to repeat it because it's one of those things that helps. I've told people often when asked, I say, my wife and I, Chris and I probably grew more in our marriage when she had to go through her first C-section. And I remember, you know, we had not been married long. Ellie was a honeymoon baby. So, you know, it's still the honeymoon phase. And then, boom, you're having a baby. So it's a little bit of a shock to you. You don't have a lot of equity there yet. And I just remember, you know, we were still figuring ourselves out. We were still figuring out how we were in a marriage. And if anybody knows Chrissy, Chrissy is a very independent person. The kind of person who's like, I can do it myself. And so all throughout the pregnancy, her only concern was, I don't want to be cut on. I don't want to be cut on. I don't want to be cut on. I don't want to have to have a C-section. Up to that point, we had no reason to think that she would. And then lo and behold, sweet Elliot was breech. And we found it out as we go to have the baby. And obviously she has to have a C-section. And I never experienced that. She had never experienced that. But one of the things that we learned is you don't get as much help as you think you do, especially if you have a husband in the room. They're like, oh, he can help you do all these different things. 
And so it was one of those things, and there's this real moment where Krista has to walk for the first time. And the nurse, I can't get the nurse there. And so I just tell her, like, just lean on me. Just lean on me. And there's this moment where Krista, who can barely walk, is literally bearing all of her weight on me, trusting that I'm going to get her from where she was to where she needs to go. And it's one of those things in hindsight that I've learned is that that pain that she endured caused our marriage to grow. Because she could now depend on me in a way that she didn't know she could depend on me. Y'all, when God is afflicting things on us in our lives, yes, he's cutting us. Yes, he's abusing us. Yes, he's bruising us. Yes, it hurts. But it's so we can lean on him. It's so that we can trust in him. When things get difficult, when you don't know the answers, when you feel confused, when you feel frustrated, give that to God. Cry out to the Lord. Let him know, God, I cannot do this on my own. And he'll tell you, I know. (laughs) I know you can't do it on your own. That's what I want you to learn. It takes the pressure off of us to try to be God in our own lives. And it's this thing where God knows we were all born, every single one of us, with this cosmic void that we feel. That pressure that we feel to want to be well-fed or have a good job or be rich or have happiness or feel pleasure. It's that void that we have and that we feel. And the more we try to feel other things in that void that aren't God, the more suffering we will endure. And that is God's signpost to remind us that we need him. Only he can satisfy us the way that we need to be satisfied. And so when the pressure of life, which we shouldn't even be able to bear, starts to compile on us, we should learn to depend on him. And the more we depend on him, the more we will grow. And while growth is painful, the reality is that the only things in life that are not growing are dead. As you experience these pains, here are three things for you to remember. The first thing, God is with you. God is with you. You are not alone as you grow. The Bible says that God prunes us so that we will grow even more. The evidence that you know the Lord is that you are being pruned for more growth. And so that's why every time it feels like you see some substantial growth and something else happens, you feel like, I feel like I'm taking three steps forward and six back and all that. You're not going backwards. God is pruning you. Because at every level that you mature and grow, things that you learn, okay, I can handle that now. And God reminds you, but you still got to deal with this. And a part of being a Christian is because we're constantly growing, we're constantly being pruned. Number two, it will be for your good. All the pressure, the pain, the stress that we are enduring It is actually molding us into the image of Christ and it is maturing us. It is working in your life. What James says is patience and contentment, a contentment and a patience that you probably don't possess yet. 
And eventually that is going to lead to more peace in your life. So one, God is with you. Two, it will be for your good. And number three, your life will have richer meaning to it. That's pretty simple. The way that God's care for us shows up heightens our awareness to his goodness. Not only in our present, but also in our past. And then it becomes our testimony of who he is to others. You know, as we were singing that song, as we had just received the news about Brother Beard being free from cancer, it's true. Singing that he's a healer, that he is a provider, those words naturally now have more color to them than they did before. Because it's one thing to sing that God's a healer. But it's another thing to see that God's a healer. Paul's point is simple. We were burdened. God sustained us. And we learned to trust him. And he delivered us. And we believe that he will continue to deliver us. Growing in our trust in God is painful but it will not always be that way. Paul's language asserts that we will experience at, as believers the ultimate deliverance. Ultimate, ultimate deliverance for the Christian is twofold. On this earth, he will provide for us. He will sustain us here and now. He will give you a peace that goes beyond all earthly reason. This is not something you need to just be anticipating in the next life. Well, then I'll have peace. He is providing for us a peace even now that surpasses, that goes beyond all understanding. This is not something we're just anticipating. We can have that peace and contentment now. But then we do have this hope. That one day he will also deliver us to a new earth where the peace will be our permanent disposition. Don't we long for that day? Don't we long for the day where we won't have to endure stress and pain and all these things, burdens, anxiousness, anxiety, all this stuff just to remind ourselves that God is good. There is a coming a day in the new earth where we will reside with him permanently and we will know and see our deliverance. And so I leave you with this. As Paul uttered, I utter this to you. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that growth is hard. We thank you that growth is painful. We thank you that it agitates us, God, because without it, we wouldn't know the depths of who you are. God, if I had never been enslaved to my sins, I would never know what it means to be saved. 
If I had never been entrapped in a situation, I would never understand what it means that you are a deliverer. If I had never been sick, I would never know what it means that you're a healer. God, if I've never needed provision, I would never be able to sing that you are a provider, God. And Lord, as painful as all those things have been, I got to admit that knowing you, knowing the depth of who you are, God, it takes away the pain. It is like you spoke in John, the woman who is in labor pains, once the child is delivered, no longer even remembers the pain. God, that is my prayer for all of us, that yes, growing is hard, but once we are able to walk out in what you are growing in our lives, let us reflect and only see your goodness. Let us trust, God, that in every situation, you are growing us, you are maturing us, you are conforming us to your image. God, and if we cry out to you, Specifically, even over these next 21 days of prayer and fasting, God, if we cry out to you that you are faithful to hear and answer our prayers, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.